There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our patrons, welcome. This is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. Thank you to our upgraded patron, Captain Caveman who moved to our $4 tier. I'm wondering if that's the same Captain Caveman who leads some of the guild raids in The Elder Scrolls Online in my in my group, Decimation Elite. I suspect it's not, but if it is, hello to you all, mate. And Captain Caveman is just one of the people supporting us directly and getting access to our new sister show, Extra Message, our live streams, our unedited versions, much more. You can join Captain Caveman and support us for the same amount of money as buying us a beer once a month by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. Thank you, patrons. Um, in fact, Ian, the, yes. the, the latest episode of Extra Message is out now. I published, is it? I published it minutes before we actually walked in. Oh, I re- have to... Have a cheeky listen. Yeah, it's mostly about technology. The vast majority is, but um, sadly, I uh, did have a death in our family this, oh, no. this week. One of my giant African land snails, Prompto, passed away, which is very sad. It is sad. We well, had- I mean, we've talked a lot about snails and your snails on this uh, on this show in the past, so I'm sure our audience will be will join me in wishing you the very best and commiserations on your loss. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad loss. You know, we talk a lot about tech, but, you know, the analogue world is, um, is, is very important because it's good to decompress. And what's more analogue than a snail? Not a lot, that's what. And uh, <clears throat> to mark the occasion, because I like to mix things up a little bit, I've written a poem okay. about him. Okay. Would you like to hear I'd it? I'd love to hear it. I wrote, <clears throat> I wrote it after I finished work. Okay. I was quite <laughs> tired. But here it goes. His eye stalks, used for crude seeing, are no longer needed by this being. His muscular foot, used to slither, can now rest in peace and quietly wither. His rasping mouth parts, his 3,000 teeth, his single lung and ganglion beneath. His shell, his soul, his respiratory hole, can now move along to a better leaf. He wasn't techie, he had no email, But he was hermaphroditic, both male and female. He had no blog, no job, no keywords for sale. But he was a part of our show because he was my snail. Oh, (laughs) so sweet. It's a good poem. It's not, mate. It's terrible. Snails snails do look like an at, don't they? An at symbol. Yes, they do a little bit. So although he doesn't have email, he does remind me of email. Yeah. Well, that's great. So... So long, Prompto, um, and welcome to people who normally listen to the show for technology news. Don't worry, we're about to get into that head first. Here we go. Ian, you'll have heard of the Amazon.com effect on the UK Ugh. on the UK high street. It can be best envisioned, I think, as lines of vape shops and discount retailers or uh, department stores with staff being nervously handed redundancy packages amid mm. store closures. But fear not, 
Mr Morris, because Amazon is here to help, specifically in Manchester, where it's opened a chain of pop-up stores that will help sellers who previously only sold goods online to have a high street outlet experience for the very first time. Now, The Guardian wrote that Amazon plans to open 10 shops in total. That's three less than a baker's dozen, Ian. I knew you were doing the maths in your Uh head. Just wanted to make it faster for you. It didn't reveal the locations of the other stores, but said they would be opening in Wales, Scotland, the Midlands, Yorkshire, which is where I was born, and the southeast. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen it happen, of course, because only a couple of weeks ago we talked about eBay also propping up the economies of cities that aren't London when uh, when it opened a pop-up store in Wolverhampton. We all have fond memories of that episode, I'm sure. Um, and as if that wasn't enough, it was only a few days ago that Microsoft announced it would open its first massive flagship UK store right here in London, in Oxford Circus. In fact, inside the old multi-floor Benetton clothes store. Um, that's... I mean, did they only just announce that? Because it hasn't had a Microsoft hoarding on it for like six months. They've announced that it's opening in July. Uh, right, okay, yeah. fine. So on the one hand, kind of looks like it's Amazon to the rescue, patching up the beleaguered high street economy, Ian, with new stores, new jobs, no doubt, new opportunities for boutique retailers. On the other, much bigger, and if I may say, in more cynical hand, it's a bit like being, in my opinion, it's a bit like being run over by an ambulance. Yes, there are medics immediately there to stitch you up and give you a new leg or whatever you need, but wouldn't it just been nicer if the ambulance didn't crash into you in the first place? And uh, and, um, I suppose I have the same thing to say I had to say about eBay it, it you know it's like the high street has had severe problems a lot of them based on the fact that it's arguably better and nicer to buy your stuff on Amazon or even other retailers I mean I was telling you earlier wasn't I you just spent a few quid upgrading my PC so I can enjoy modern games at slightly better frame rates and um, it wouldn't have occurred to me to go to a, a computer shop to locate those parts. I, I ordered them online. And I, in a very disappointing experience, I have to say. Where did you buy them from? I bought them from Yorkshire's own eBuyer. Okay, that's fine. eBuyer, yes. That's yes. where I used to buy my PC components. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, eBuyer uses the worst courier company in the known universe, Yodel. Oh. Yeah, so basically, cheap, what happened is I ordered it, paid for express delivery... Because although I didn't desperately need the bits, you know what it's like when you buy something. You don't want to be waiting around unnecessarily. Uh, and it said, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, think it, I think I ordered on a Friday and it said you can have them on a Tuesday. And I thought, well, that's quite a long wait, but I can live with it. Um, Tuesday comes round and they just hadn't even bothered to put the thing on the local delivery van. It had arrived at the local depot and they just didn't load it. Um, and then they'd sent it out the next day. <clears throat> it was, and it was, wasn't just the next day either. It was late the next day. It was like the last delivery slot. Um, and I think I was in a rush to go somewhere, but anyway, it was um, it was a, it was a quite a frustrating experience. Um, and it's not unique because I've had that experience when ordering from non Amazon places, mm. and often the experience is fine. It's just not necessarily as predictable or as quick. And Amazon Prime, I think, has spoilt us in that sense. But this is the flip side of the coin mm. because what Amazon has done. Um, is get people very used to an extremely high level of, you know, customer service. Yeah. And if that can translate in the, into the high street, you know, if Amazon gets into doing more high street stores and the high street retail experience was as good and as consumer first as the online version is, and that stimulates a whole new type of high street shopping experience, then I think we have Amazon to thank in that sense. Because, I do get what you mean. You I know, do think that's a fair point. Like you walk into WH Smith's, which was recently voted like worst retailer of Britain, which I think is a little bit 
bit, little bit harsh. Um, it is quite a bad experience. It hasn't changed for very many years. It's it's like walking into a shop that doesn't know how to have space. Yes, you know, it's just a complete onslaught of everything. Uh, what is W H Smith? Is it a stationery? Is it know. a bookshop? Is it a sweet shop? Is it the company that? represses certain magazines to promote ones that fit with its ideological view of the world. Yeah, it's not a great experience, but on the no. other hand, it is one of the stores that sells a lot of things and it has lots of uh, locations and it's still in business. But if Amazon did high street stores like mm. it is online, then I think I'd be quite excited by that prospect. Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. So Amazon's obviously, in the time that Amazon's been running and doing very quick deliveries, it has changed how it's done it. So I remember a time when Amazon also used to use Yodel for deliveries. But now largely Amazon is its own delivery. It has its own delivery drivers. They deliver stuff. It doesn't really use courier companies. So that's obviously the only way to make money. In the UK, so In the UK, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, this is a UK technology-focused podcast. Um, and, um, and With me, Nate Lassen. <laughs> that was very good. Um, and I think, so I think what Amazon then did was they improved it, improved their shipping, developed their own, and now you get a very clear, easy picture. You know, it, I, w- I used it the other day because then I, I need, discovered I needed another component. And I thought, oh, you know what? I cannot be bothered to do this again through eBuyer. I'm just going to get it on Amazon. I don't know what the quality will be like. But I pressed the button. It said, would you like this tonight? I was like, well, why wouldn't I want it tonight? It doesn't going to cost me anything extra. So I pressed, yeah, sure, I'll have it tonight. Uh, and sure enough, you get messages on the screen that say your driver is six stops away. And you know, therefore, that it's going to be maybe half an hour. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant. Yeah. But Amazon has developed that service. And it can't have been easy and it can't have been cheap. So I just think that it's possible, yes, that Amazon could make that change for the high street. But I do worry of the cost and that cost will be likely retailers and uh, Amazon is about sort of automation and simplicity I don't think it's going to be a big employer of people on the high street it would be a great opportunity for any of our listeners in or around Manchester who fancy venturing into one of these uh, Amazon stores to go in press record on a little microphone send, do it as a voice note on your iPhone or the equivalent on Android or, or whatever device you're using and uh, give us a little walking tour describe what can you see what's it like or just tell, tell us what it's like in an email uh, if you prefer but we'd love to hear those hello at techpodcast.uk that's where to send them and we'll look forward to hearing some reports next week go on you can do it do it for us do it for manchester do it for ian The number of people in England buying drugs on the dark net, Ian, has more than doubled since 2014. This is according to a survey, well, it's according to the Global Drugs Survey. It wasn't just looking at the UK, it was looking at loads of countries, but uh, this is about the UK. Uh, And this is according to a BBC write-up this week that also showed that the number of drug users in England buying products on the dark net has risen from 12.4% to nearly 28.6% since 2014. That's a big rise, isn't it? Well, it is if in drug users who admit it. True. But this is a, st- this is a survey, isn't mm. it? This is a survey. Um, England had the highest, oh, sorry, the third highest number of illegal drugs delivered to order behind Brazil and, weirdly, Scotland. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Okay. We're not that different to the Scottish, are we, really? No. 
But are we that different? I thought we were quite different to, to Brazilians when it came to drugs, but apparently well, let, not. Let me explain. No, do you wait. want me to explain? I do no, in a minute, explain. but I want to, fin- I want to finish yeah, reading this, for, if you'll indulge me. No, I will. There are no specific figures for Wales or Northern Ireland in the study, apparently, so we don't know if the Welsh are buying their crack on the darknet. I think it's fair to say they are. I think, why wouldn't you? Because we're all the same. Exactly. Uh, the study's founder, Dr Adam Winstock, says people do not understand the risks involved in buying drugs online. He told the BBC, if you've given your name, somebody knows you bought illicit drugs, and then there's a possibility they will blackmail you. I agree with that. I think that's true of, of, of all sorts. Ian, you've had a sceptical look on your face. I've been trying to describe it, but it's somewhere between like an expression and art. Can you divulge? I've just got so much to say about this, really. I mean, okay, let's pick it. Let's start with the idea that you're going to get blackmailed. Well, okay, fine. Yes, you're right. Perhaps. Um, there are such things as post office boxes. If people wanted to, if, if people were really worried about having something, you'd have it delivered to work. You could use a fake name. You know, all these things are options. I mean, and the, the reality is, I'm not desperately worried about being blackmailed. I mean, who are they going to tell? Like, you know, and I'm not buying drugs anyway, so it doesn't apply to me. But, um, you know, really, I think the thing about drugs is that if you're... You know, a lot of employers would be, I think, annoyed if it found out its users were doing... Its users... Its employees were doing specific kind of drugs. And I think that's fine. But I also think that businesses are like, well, you know, look, if it's not impacting your work, if you're not... If it's not making you bad at your job, then we're largely happy to keep away from it and let you run your life how you, how you want. Obviously, if if that creeps into the workplace, then I think it's only right that action's taken. Um, but even that aside, I, I just can't see anyone giving that any thought at all because people want to buy drugs and they're going to do it. And then and they're probably less worried about getting blackmailed in the future online than they are about walking down a street and buying something from a guy who they've never met before or, you know, I don't know, involving themselves in a, a with a local dealer or whatever. Well, you've, funnily enough, you've stumbled on exactly the point I wanted to make, which, it, and made it Is better it like than... The, uh, poor old drug dealers being put out of business, just like Amazon does with... Uh, <laughs> Not at all. The question by the, the dark web. The question, the, no, because the, the the point that I had was, what difference does it make in terms, of, you know, from a security standpoint or like a quality standpoint, mm. if you're buying from a stranger you don't know online or buying from a stranger you don't know in the street? At the end of the day, you don't know what it's been laced with necessarily, no. <clears throat> um, and depending on the type of drugs, I mean. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. I've never, I've never bought heroin, so no, I, I, I don't but, know. But we're all aware that there is a certain element yeah. of risk. So it, it feels to me like a natural progression mm. that you would move onto the dark net um, to do this. But I don't feel, I personally, from my perspective, I don't feel the risk is any greater doing it. No, I think it's lower um, because I would imagine that the dark web distribution would be higher up the drugs chain than the guy on the street who might have his own motivations for trying to increase his own personal profit by cutting drugs with other things. So, you know, you've got a bag of... We're really not coming across as people who are particularly drug aware here, are we? Um, you know, you've got a you've got a, a, a proportion of cocaine and you want to make more money from it, so you mix something with it to make it larger and then that's pure profit for you, isn't it? You know, mm. you're, and the person you're buying it from at the chain or the person supplying it to you need not know, I guess. Um, so I would say that if you're buying on the dark web, you're probably buying from a more centralised location. Um, and I've looked into this over the years just purely out of complete interest because I find it fascinating. 
And um, my gut feeling is that buying drugs online is quite expensive. It's fraught with risk, especially mm. if those drugs are coming over a border. Um, it's relatively easy for police to sniff stuff out, literally, with a dog. Um, so you're essentially putting your money at risk because you don't know what you're going to get. But I guess you wouldn't know on the street. But the the, the core of this argument is that drug use well people buying drugs online is going up and that was always going to happen because it's convenient you don't have to go out if you if you want to buy drugs you might not know how to and it's very easy to go online and go well i'd like some cannabis i'm just going to buy you know an ounce but the difference is here is that this is this is the rise on the dark net specifically you know it's not just about drugs being bought online this isn't kind of shady craigslist or ebay listing or gumtree or any of these places where technically you can you know mask something in a way uh, you know in order to not be detected yeah this is the dark net and if you've ever been on the dark net you know i've been on i've been on dark net websites you know usually for something to do with work or Mm -hmm. researching stories and things like that and what i find staggering about it is just how brazen everybody is on there it's like no one really takes any great care to hide what they're offering it's right there in your face and And it's actually a bit silly because the dark net doesn't really offer you quite the security you think it does um yeah, really? I, I mean, and this is the thing. It's like if if more people are going to the dark web in order to get the drugs, um, would it in, would it make it easier for somebody to get them, even though it's harder to use the dark web? Like, does the does the the the, the just the blatantness of how these things are sold online make it more attractive than having to install? you know tor browsers yeah but i mean tor is very easy to install it's a five minute job and it works out of the box and you're immediately able to access onion sites which means that you can access the dark web the dark web is a ridiculous name for it we should stop using it i don't know what we call it well you know the onion network or whatever well no it's it, it serves a purpose it's it cannot be indexed by regular web crawlers fine um but anyway i mean my concern, and I, I will re- I will relate this briefly back to the UK porn block. Um, <clears throat> if people are using, if people are trying to get around the porn block, one of the ways they can do that is by using Tor. My argument is, <clears throat> if kids find out about Tor, which they will obviously because they already know about it, they're going to be using that to access their porn because it won't be subject to ISP blocking. Therefore, they're going to be on the dark web, perhaps or able to access the dark web easily, they might end up seeing things that are even, you know, not, I'm not, you know, not even worse than porn, but are actually illegal. Things that you wouldn't want to see. There is no content restriction. There's nothing protecting you from child sex abuse images on the dark web because those filters simply don't exist there. So we are pushing people with those that block particularly, onto mm. services like Tor, which probably then in turn might have some impact on them going, well, I'm on the dark web now, I could see where I can get drugs and then you find drugs and they can buy them. That You know, those people will probably have always have done drugs anyway because they're obviously thinking about it and, and sooner or later they're going to get it offered it at some place or other. So I'm not saying that we're it's creating drug users, but it is giving people, you know, we're, we're pushing them towards services where they can easily get them. Well, let us know your thoughts. Well, I have more thoughts. But I I mean, the other thing is, of course, it's we've forced ourselves into this position by making these drugs illegal. I wonder what the American numbers were like, given that there are a lot of US states that are legalising cannabis now. I don't know how many people are buying cannabis on the dark web. Well, I think this is... In the UK, I would imagine quite a lot, because it's not easy to get in, you know, you you can't just walk outside. Well, you probably can You pretty much can. Yeah, but not everywhere. And I mean... 
the the reality of it is is that this gov- our government has always been reluctant to even consider the idea of following the Americans and legalizing these things for people to use sensibly and controlling specifically the strength and quantities in which people can buy them. We are walking across the precipice of politics, <laughs> yes, so of I'm going to cut this off. Yes, but I wasn't going to not say it. No, apparently, but I also wasn't <laughs> going to not cut you off when you started. <laughs> um, instead, I'm going to turn this over to listeners. Let us know your thoughts on this, of course. Um, have you ever brought, bought crack on the dark web? <laughs> Um, let us know. Don't purge yourselves. Exactly. But you can anonymously tell us all about that experience at hello at techpodcast.uk. Well, we've got something very exciting now. Uh, I have a personal fascination with space. Long-time listeners of the show, of course, will remember our episodes where we did a focus on Contact, the classic Carl Sagan book and subsequent film, panned by some critics, adored by me. Um, we've talked about filming films in IMAX from near-Earth orbit or from the International Space Station specifically. And this week, uh, we're going to delve into something that's coming out of Britain, but still very space-focused. Welcoming Charles Black. Hello, Charles. Hi, Nate. Good to be here. And Charles is the founder and CEO of a company called Sen. And just to jump right into the deep end, Charles, you've recently put a 4K camera into near-Earth orbit and have been capturing 4K video with Earth for the first time ever uh, in real time, right? That is correct, yep. It's our technical milestone. We've been working on it as a company for a few years. And uh, the satellite launched a few months ago, uh, containing our video recording system. So we've been able to do real-time 4K video and stream that from low Earth orbit uh, back to Earth. And there's a a good highlights video on our website that uh, listeners can see at send.com. Yep, and we'll include a link to that in the show notes. And we'd play a sample from it. Sometimes we play samples, uh, but it's very difficult to play a sample on an audio podcast of a completely Mm. silent video. But the Mm. images themselves are very, very impressive. So do check that out. And um, the the link will be in the show notes, obviously, at techpodcast.uk. Charles, why does Britain not get as much attention when it comes to amazing space achievements? Like this, to me, looked like an amazing achievement. And yet people just tend to talk about Elon Musk. Why is that? Well, I think it stems from the fact that we don't launch humans uh, into orbit from Britain. We don't have the launch capability and human spaceflight, that's the people's story, that's where the emotion comes from. And uh, in the US and, and other countries that have the launch vehicles, and, and of course the US like Elon Musk and SpaceX and Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin, they are in- incredibly impressive uh, technical uh, and strategic business operations. Um, But I think the UK is um, doing a lot to try and change that. So there are going to be potentially a couple of spaceports in the UK being developed, one for sort of horizontal launches from an aeroplane like Virgin uh, Virgin Orbit, where the rocket's uh, strapped to the bottom of a wing of of a converted Boeing 747. And also in Scotland, they're looking at the idea of a launch site for uh, rockets to vertically launch. 
And there's a growing uh, space uh, community in the UK. We're very good at building small satellites and... Um, we uh, are that side of the economy is growing very strongly, and there's a as a thriving space community or startup community of space people with with lots of ideas, and um, uh, and we're we're a part of that. But space is a very global business, so we are cooperating with pretend uh, uh, international partners, and uh, most space companies you'll find um, work on a sort of global scale. Although we are based in the UK, we're very much a, a global and one day multi world business and how i know the ambition for for this is is to basically have you know dozens of cameras in orbit in a in a sort of a matrix suspended around mm. a planet mm. um so that people can stream 4k video in real time uh on their mobile devices i mean firstly why you know mm. why w- what is it about this that makes it worth doing and secondly how exactly have you done it because I would have thought that if it was something that could be done, then the likes of the NASA's and the SpaceX's and, and um, Blue Origins, as you say, you know, would have mm. would have done it. But they didn't, mm. and you did. So mm. I'm very curious why and how. So the why we're doing it is to for the benefit of humanity. So we're trying to democratize space. And when you look at uh, Earth at the moment, there are a lot of satellites that will take still pictures or radar imagery. And it's really focused on defense and intelligence, and there's nothing for the people. And when you look at the the, the world, it is changing every single day, either the, the world of nature or the human world through the actions of an ever-growing population. And, for example, there's 354 natural disasters a year on average, affecting hundreds of millions of people. And there is no information or timely information from satellites about these events. So what we want to focus on is uh, these humanitarian events that, uh, and by streaming real-time video, we can make a difference. We can change the outcome because video has uh, two main unique attributes. One is movement, you know, they're movies. And the second is storytelling power. And we, if we can empower people by having a, a, a free consumer model and, and beaming the videos direct to smartphones, we can change the outcome of events by uh, giving actionable information in real time to people. So that's ultimately why we're going to do it uh, when we're talking about filming Earth. We one, one day in the mid-2020s plan to put cameras around the moon once life and the economy and humans return there. And, and that's the role there is to become an independent media. Again, we feel that humanity needs to understand and be told the story of our uh, space exploration. Uh, so that's really, in a nutshell, why we're doing it. Um, the how is a bit more difficult without really sort of revealing uh, secrets, but um, we've worked quite a long time on focusing on and putting a lot of processing power into space so that we can uh, stream in real time and, and do 4K. Um, and I think why in a way we've done it and no one else has done it so I think one of the reasons is that people have been focused on uh, science grade data for example NASA they're focusing on as taxpayer funded organizations they're focusing on gathering scientific data and video isn't scientific data uh, but what it is it's entertaining and interesting and informative for people and so therefore we want to sort of stream the data direct to the people uh, and leave the space agencies and other companies to gather you know radar imagery and scientific data that that can uh, benefit people uh, through analyzing that information uh, 
And I know that this is this is very much a, a personal dream that you've had since uh, you were in your teens, and this is now you know your opportunity to to really make that dream uh, come true. But I assume that the longer term vision is more than cameras around Earth and the Moon. Like you talk about. In, in our conversations around mm. cameras out in the universe and mm. cameras building other cameras, I mean, is that mm. still the ambition? Is that has anything changed there, or is this now? Is that the trajectory that you're on? I think no, absolutely, that is still the ambition. Um, and I think you have to. I suppose in my own head, I'm thinking this is something that you know I want to go on for for centuries. So you've got to think long term about these things. But we're starting with Earth because we're a people business. We're about capturing data and giving it to people and empowering people. And we have to start on Earth because that's where the seven billion humans live at the moment. But as we and I think our business will probably follow humanity. So as we return to the moon, and uh, there's plenty of talk about a permanent settlement becoming on the moon, and then eventually Mars uh, in the 2030s. And yes, we want to then go beyond that. We want to get to the outer solar system. But we also, you know, need other technologies to develop as well, enabling technologies. So to get to Jupiter, for example, and the outer planets at the moment takes many, many years. And so we want to wait till there's faster and newer propulsion technologies that can get that get us there quicker uh, and definitely provide unique video perspectives uh, of our life in space and, and and keep going thereafter. Definitely focusing on the solar system in the short term, but who knows beyond that. Well, Charles, it's been fascinating to talk to you. I uh, duly hope uh, and indeed request that at some point it will be possible to host a podcast in space. I'd like to think that I could be that first podcaster in mm. zero gravity, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I trust we can make that happen together, right? We'll- yeah, well, absolutely. And we can even look at uh, when our satellites are live, we'll come on a podcast and we'll get something trending, a place on Earth trending, and we'll do we'll beam some live video over that place that's trending from the podcast. So we'll put the power into the hands of your audience to decide what our satellites are going to film in real time. That's going to be a lot of fun. I very much look forward to it. Until then, though, sen.com, that's where you can check out the, the video that was recorded um, a couple of weeks ago, I want to say, two or three weeks ago, um, from one of the satellites that Charles has... Uh, made possible really um charles black thank you for joining us thank you nate well text message keeps you informed about the british tech landscape and of course ian and i's very humble opinions but let's check in with our friends Daily Tech News Show in the US and hear what's been happening in the wider world of tech over the last week. Tom Merritt. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we start with all the Apple announcements from WWDC and why we think Apple sign-in and sidecar are two of the more significant ones. Plus, Dr. Kiki tells us how people with six fingers can help researchers build extra robot limbs, and, and not just because they have extra dexterity. We all make our own evaluations of the Google Stadia streaming video game service, and Chris Ashley weighs in particularly on Destiny 2 going free-to-play. All that, and believe it or not, even more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you, Tom, and thank 
thank you to our patrons supporting us every week. Um, you can join them and support us directly, get our ad-free versions, our extended versions, our sister show, Extra Message, which is up to episode eight as of, uh, well, about an hour ago at the time of recording. Get our live streams, unedited versions, uncensored versions, all kinds of stuff. Patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And maybe you can help us finish the month with one more patron than we had last month. Yes. And you could uh, send us some feedback too. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Follow us on Twitter. It's at textmessagepod to keep up to date with the most important UK technology news headlines throughout the week. Uh, And also you should definitely send Tom Merritt a message on Twitter urging him to put the extended Patreon version in his RSS reader for the show. Oh, I think he's done you that You think now. he's done that now? Okay, so yeah. we, won't, we don't hassle Tom. I would like to say, on DTNS trivia, yeah. the headlines show is exactly the length of my walk from my sta- the station in London where I get come to yeah. and where I work. Mm. It's it's perfect. Yeah. That's just brilliant. Daily, it, daily tech headlines. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's bang on. Yeah. So you can, yeah. Um, anyway, thanks for everyone listening to us on our free ad supported feed. If you've got a minute, we'd love you to rate us on iTunes or your favourite podcasting app. It's true. We would. We would love that. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Thank you, Ian. No, and uh, thank you. Yep. Yeah, I'm very welcome. No, you're welcome. Both of us are welcome. Everyone is welcome. <laughs> Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.